things are supposed to happen and sometimes they don't. That's just the way life is. $5,000! And I wish you luck, and I hope you get the belt back. The unraveling of the NWO. Alright, back at it again. Welcome to Welcome to Thunderdome, the A-plus review of the world's best B-show. Yes, we are back at it again at Krispy Kreme, here to break down another hour and a half of the finest wrestling, tasseling, and sasseling that you've ever seen. I, I appreciate tasseling and sasseling. Well, sasseling is what some of the sassier wrestlers do. Like, oh. I would say, you know, Savage is kind of a sassy guy, whereas Hoger, he, Hoger, Hoger, Hoger's heroes, <laughs> the Hoger, <laughs> alright, uh, as always, I am Nick Serretta, joined by my best friend and cohort, Andrew Jones, your two favorite marks from New York, don't patronize me, oh, here, you wanna uh, review the episode, I would love to review the episode, alright, so where we last left our wrestle boys, yes, previously we... on WCW Thunder, we ended the January eighth episode of Thunder with uh, big old schmas in the in the ring because oh yeah we had a uh, Buff Bagwell and the uh, other and NWO cohorts you know fucks everything up like they always do and then out come giant uh, yeah they're, they're restore order they're framing the main event of the first episode of Thunder was a way to set up we've got the WCW loyalists like Giant Sting and Diamond Dallas Page they are going to face off against the NWO and all their permutations however as we saw throughout most of the last episode of Thunder there has been dissension within the NWO. The fault lines are appearing within the group, and this continued the episode of Nitro after uh, the episode of Thunder that we watched. So, the previous episode of Nitro that has led into the current episode of Thunder that we are watching uh, spent a lot of time with Diamond Dallas Page, pumping up his Boy Lex, which is how he referred to him, uh, and pumping up his match against Nash and Savage that we are going to get tonight as the main event of Thunder. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page on this episode of Nitro uh, from last Monday cuts an amazing Thunder-related promo where he works in Thunder-based puns and rain-based wordplay into his promo. He goes, you'll hear the crackle and feel the... Bang. And it is the kind of thing that is so fucking corny, but because it's CDP, you're like, I want to watch Thunder now. He is a he professional. Yeah. yeah. He instills so much life into, like, every, you know, segment, promo, match that he does. And, yes. you know, especially considering, like, his background, you know, the spark notes of it, he was like a bouncer that was uh, scouted by Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream Baby. You know, he saw something in him. Mm. Like, he saw, like, that raw potential. And yeah. Diamond oh, yeah. Dallas Page came out of the 90s a megastar and is still relevant today. And it says a lot about Dusty and how, like, he might be just straight up the best talent scout for, oh, yeah. for wrestlers He discovered like, so many brilliant people. And I just think it's interesting to see. After the debacle that was the debut episode of Thunder, I think, Nick, we came into this hoping, like, okay... 
it it has to get better, but our expectations are low. This episode opens with a recap of the Nitro that we were just talking about with Diamond Dallas Page's promo talking about how he's going to fucking whoop Hall and Nash, and we kind of start thinking, like, the baby faces look united. Lex is checked out, but at the very least, we know he's going to wrestle with DDP, and they're going to fight the bad guys. Meanwhile, how are Hall and Nash and Hogan and Savage doing? They're yeah. slapping each other around. Not well, yeah. interfering at all. They inter every NWO match on the first episode of Thunder from last week basically had interference from within its own group. Yeah. Savage would try to attack Nash or Hall or some vice versa. Hogan tried to play peacekeeper. So we're going to see on this episode, Nick, the second ever episode of WCW Thunder, the greatest B show of all time, if that dissension is going to create a bigger rift or if nwo is going to be able to band together in this main event and take out wcw and we're going to see how they do i'm excited let's kick it in the uh, in that intro segment when we were watching it the first time we heard quote hey block 25 sit down <laughs> it's like the zapruder footage we're trying to figure out where this came from I think it's a security guard yelling at some of the fans to sit the fuck down. Well, he's so loud. You watch in the opening segment, there's a laser pointer that flashes in DDP's face. It, like right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there. Someone was shooting a laser oh pointer in his God. eyes. And I guess that was a security know. guard telling him to you know, sit the fuck down. Oh, and now we just gotta go... We're opening shot. We're live in wherever this was, Lakeland, Florida. So, leading out of the recap, uh, Mike Tanay is in the three-man announce desk and not Shivani. Shivani's the in-ring guy. Yeah, Shivani flipped. So, for this episode of WCW uh, Thunder, our announce team is Mike Tanay, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and Lee Marshall. Running down what we saw on Nitro, they say it's a very foggy, sunshine state. They're just trying to ham this up as much as possible. Do you have who called Macho the most dangerous man in pro wrestling? I had that down as being funny, and I don't remember who said it. That was uh, Brain. Why would Brain... Isn't Brain an NWO guy? Why would he call... Oh, maybe no, I mean, because he does this man, yeah. Yeah, I think he's just saying, okay. like, he has, okay. uh, he has all most of the New Jack is alive. <laughs> oh, my God, you're right, New Jack we'll is bring it still up, alive. Yeah. What do you think of their chemistry compared to with Shivani in there? Do you like Tanae better? Do you like Tanae worse? Their dynamic, I think, works. Like, everybody is such a straight-up pro. It's just like, yeah, on the well, announce desk, yeah. we all know how to talk to each other. So, they hype up our main event tonight, which we know already is going to be Randy Savage and Nash facing Lex Luger and Diamond Dallas Page. And there's, again, still some questions on if this match is going to even happen. Well, I know what match is going to happen, mm -hmm. and that's uh, Thunderbolt to oh, that uh, another... smooth transition. Yeah, uh, to Nitro, where... <laughs> the show opens with a recap of Nitro. Then we get the announced team live telling us what the main event is going to be, and then it goes to another recap of the same episode of Nitro. Get used to this dynamic. Right? We're going <laughs> a to... A lot of recaps of Nitro. We are going to see this pattern a lot. But uh, this particular Thunderbolty recap, NWO's lawyers are in the center of the ring and... Always a good sign in a wrestling show. Oh yeah, when they talk legalities and all this it's stuff. But this, is, this has got some, uh, I think this has got some meat on some it. Some narrative heft. NWO, in order to guarantee that Kevin Nash is going to show up to this match against Giant, they're going to put a performance bond in of $1.5 million and WCW and Paul White have to match it. 
So now there's it's a $3 million fight yes, that these guys are going to have. There is also a clause that says the giant may not come near Kevin Nash or touch him or the match is immediately forfeited. The minute this is announced on Nitro, Kevin Nash loses his shit. Who's the real giant now? It's like, he starts getting up That's in his face. That's not an exaggeration. That's exactly what he does. And giant turns away from him and he's smiling you know on the camera then this is why he's a consummate pro too it reads as this this fucking guy's trying to get on my nerves but in reality he's i think he's trying yes. so hard not to yeah. burst out laughing on because the hard can. can you imagine kevin nash getting all uppity and he's jabber john in giant's face kevin nash looks short here like and he sees this huge guy he when he's yelling to. at big show when he's yelling at giant he's only up to like his chin this is a non-thunderbolt transition yeah we just go back to the ring where tony is live the aggro crag turns green who comes on out? Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All white. He looks like a big green bean. <laughs> Lee Marshall is marveling at how this oh. seven foot four man commands <laughs> authorities, walks in the ring, and I'm just like, seven, seven foot, foot four? four like, no, no the tallest way. man on earth. <laughs> he, uh, he bellished just a little oh, bit. Oh, just a little bit. Uh, I mean, to be fair, he, he is to be huge. Fair. To be fair, he is huge. I mean, like, Big Show is he's just, he's he's over seven, seven foot. Yeah. He's seven, no, he's just seven foot, even. Uh, my real job, quote-unquote, where I make, quote-unquote, real money to pay, quote-unquote, rent, um, <laughs> I work as an electrician on television and film, and I was on a show where Big Show was an extra. And, like, keep in mind, like, even when I'm bending down and, like, wrapping cable and stuff, him walking by me, first of all, like, the <laughs> nicest... out the sun. The nicest man on set, for sure. But, my God, he could squish my head like a grape. He is a big fella. Well, well, it's the big fella. They never... That could have been a fucking... That could... They could have done a Seamus Big Show tag team. The big fellas. That, 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 WWE, hire me. These are good. These are, I'm tossing out fucking diamonds. And ironically, they have a uh, twins bit. Or oh. One of them's Arnold Schwarzenegger and one of them's Danny DeVito. Seamus, I saw Seamus in real life going into a Primark in Cardiff, Wales about two years ago when they were on the UK tour there. And he is much shorter than you would think he is. He's like six foot tall. He would be the Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. A ta so, no joke, just... Towering. Oh yeah, Big Show's enormous. And he looks at here, even though he is covered in this disgusting green wash, uh, as he trudges into the ring to meet Mike Tanay for this interview. So Mike Tanay is asking him, like, how's how's he feeling for yeah, this? How are you gonna match how are you gonna up? face Nash? He says to the crowd, he's gonna let us on in the secret. He's got a secret weapon. And it's attached to his arm. Oh. It's attached to his wrist. Oh. It's attached to his hands. You know what it is? <laughs> Chokes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, everybody fucking pops when when oh yeah, it's awesome. When he goes to choke slam, like he, this was he wigs out about this choke slam. It's awesome. What we were talking about in the last episode, where this is still the era where an elbow drop was still considered like a big oh, deal. Yeah. Watching somebody his size hit a choke slam, especially on somebody little, it's, oh my god! And he, you know what? He Dirty. looks good doing it. Oh yeah, giant looks great doing it. But oh. on the hard camera, we catch very quickly uh, a sign that says, quote, Nash rules and Giant drools. 
Man. And you know he means business because rules is spelled R-U-L-Z. Oh, he doesn't give a good gosh darn. And who is that? It's Lodi from the Raven's Flock. And, uh, yeah, now his son got ripped up by, by show and he starts like, what the fuck, you, you know, free speech and all that shit. So he runs in the ring, uh, gives him a choke slam, and then out comes the entire flock. Oh, yeah, Sick Boy, Kidman, Perry Saturn. But you want to know what? It doesn't fucking matter because no. they are bouncing off Giant and he's just yeeting those guys out of the ring. Hammer is thrown after Lodi gets choke slammed. Out over the ropes yes, into, into the, the crowd. crowd, and that was—it's so dope. It is so cool to see like young athletic giant just picking up, picking dudes like Perry Saturn who are yeah. like not small guys, and just yeeting them out of the ring. Oh, and it's Billy awful. Kid and throws Billy Kidman at Hammer. Yeah. So in the middle of all of this schmoss, these hot topic night managers are getting fucked. But out of the rubble comes Kevin Nash. The very man Giant cannot touch. Nick, will he touch him? No. He, <laughs> no, he's just going to jaw jack him and come in with... Uh, but the, uh, Kevin Nash comes into the ring wearing sweatpants and a fanny pack. He come, yeah, he I comes believe. in in his fucking pajamas. Yeah, he's like holding a cup of coffee. He's got a fanny pack. He's ooh, Giant, you may be able to fuck over these little golf kids, but you can't touch me. And he starts jaw... Now he goes, oh, you gonna, yeah, oh what, are you going to cry? Oh, you're so bad. And... He chucks his hot coffee In right into face. Giant's face. Oh, and to quote Heenan, oh no, uh, to quote Marshall, he's about as hot as that coffee right now. Ooh, zing! He got him. Nash is still <laughs> making faces at him, and, and Show again is trying not to laugh. But he's like, passing it off as like he's visibly shaken and angry. Oh yeah, he's trying not to get upset, and Kevin Nash is still jaw-jacking at him, yelling at him, shitting on him after having thrown hot coffee in him, and Mike Tanay over the whole thing, what a way to open thunder! And we cut to commercial, and to be honest, like, when you compare that the opening segment to last episode of Thunder, which I really do need to say, again, was the first ever episode of this TV show, involved, like, J.J. Dillon and, yeah. you know, <laughs> that kind of shit. And here, we get, like, we get to see Giant fuck a bunch of people up. He cuts a short, stupid, but effective promo. And we get heat for the main event tonight, where it's going to be, again, we're going to have to see our fucking... Is there going to be any boil over with Giant and Nash until sold out the pay-per-view? We'll it's it's a yeah, good Yeah, God help them. They told a story. Yeah, this was like, it was it was basic, but it was like exciting. Anytime we get to see somebody as big and athletic as the Giant in his physical prime here just obliterate Ravens somebody boys. like a bunch of boys, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And we cut to commercial. Let's look to my arm. You know what it's called? The Jones so when we come back from commercial, <laughs> we cut to another recap of... Another recap of Nitro. Yeah, where uh, everybody's coming out of separate limos again. But this time, Macho Man flips out and he assaults Mean Gene when he's oh. trying to talk to him. He, like, he's grabs, his, it, he grabs his chin. He's just like, oh, he's trying to intimidate him. He's like, you know, don't ask me questions about what's going on Get here. Get out of my face, you media schmuck. And even Tenzon, who's still in the group, he's, like, vibing right now. <laughs> and and, and Savage is totally covered in and killing his vibe. Um, and he's walking away pissed off. Then we cut to a further segment when they're talking about it in that episode of Nitro. Well, guess what? JJ's in this segment. And he finds Macho Man $5,000 for striking Bischoff. And Mean Gene is reacting to her like, $5,000! Like, that 
voice is, ugh, it's impeccable, it's legendary, but that was fucking goofy. But it's like, $5,000 is like not a lot of money to Macho Man, so it really just doesn't seem for, if you punched your boss in real life, you would be fired. Yeah. Right? You know, after we've decided that fines are going to be levied again, it's time for match number one. Oh, the first match, live on Thunder, week two. And guess what? We have our favorite racist stock music. Oh. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I know that sounds bad. That literally is like what is playing. It is so... Oh, my God. And our boys for Team Japan are Ohara, Black Cat, and booking mastermind Gato. It is so weird to see Gato not in a Bullet Club t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, and like young and blonde and wrestling. It is he, so his, strange. His head looks like a little furry bean. He, I can't tell if he was just like fatter here, but seeing Gato on Thunder as like a young wrestler is so... I didn't recognize him at first. Do you believe it? That beard actually kind of like slims out his face. It's crazy. He looks so different here yeah so it's going to be a team japan versus team wcw match and who are they facing in team wcw but our favorite enormous midwestern boys uh the big bad booty daddy himself scott steiner and the dog face gremlin rick steiner now nick uh rick and scott you'll notice they are missing something from around their waist and that's because they recently dropped these belts to who to hall and nash and there was some the way it happened they're still kind of pissed about because uh, Rick and Scott are facing the NWO, however, there's interference in the match. Macho Man hits Rick Steiner, fucking everything up, leading to Hall and Nash being able to dishonestly swipe the titles from our large Minnesota lads, or wherever the fuck they're from, Michigan. Shit. Yeah, it was a little bit of controversy, so they're coming out here, the Steiner brothers, with backup from the big boss man himself, uh, and they're looking pissed. They are gonna go on a warpath trying to teach these foreigners a lesson from some former champs. Leave it to the Americans to blame other countries for their problems. Absolutely. Instead of being mad at Macho, they are going to beat up a bunch of Japanese guys. Uh, Rick Steiner is coming in with all the leather daddy studded uh, Rick, dog collar. Rick Steiner, I understand that your gimmick is you are like dog man and you wear dog collars and talk about being a dog, but he is wearing a leather jacket with no shirt and a fucking O-ring harness and a collar and he looks like he came back from the Folsom Street Fair. Like, it's amazing, but it is just very funny knowing rick steiner and like who these guys are and he looks like he could be dancing at the eagle scott steiner is in like the you know how we have the all-american scott steiner is like the squirtle and big bad booty daddy's the blast toys yes so this is kind of like the he's he's like in a war tortle <laughs> state right now scott. he is huge and it's gross. Like, Scott really Steiner looks... Gross. Scott, and it's also funny, too, with the, the WCW tag team here, the best guys they could find, Scott and Rick are in wrestling gear, and Big Boss Man, who is going to be their third man, is wearing, like, pants, a t-shirt tucked into my jeans, and I'm going to go around and beat up these guys! And it just, he looks so out of place and so sweaty. He already time. comes into the ring sweaty! Yeah, he's drenched in sweat before they do the, any moves! He has the Ross Geller leather pants on. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh shrinking God. in real I know. time. He opens this match, too. It's so interesting seeing... Big boss man who I actually do believe did wrestle in Japan and was popular because he's a big tall white guy and they love big tall white guys. But yeah. he like seeing him try to like 
Matt wrestle with Black Cat is so like, it's just it's just struggling a little bit. When the uh, Black Cat gets him in a leg lock, he just kind of like takes a pratfall. Yeah. But then like he slides out of the ring. Oh, he's and so fast for a guy that Black big. Cat. In this match, he gets more mat time than the person he just tagged in, which is Rick Steiner. Oh yeah, well Rick Steiner is always going to be the odd man out here, you know, he's the utilitarian brother, he's a very good wrestler, but he's extremely basic, and he is a kind of, let's just say, compared to the lunacy that is and will become Scott Steiner, his brother Rick is, you know, definitely the Janetti here. Even though Rick isn't in this match very long, when he gets uh, O'Hara, he O'Hara's tagged in, and everybody in the crowd's going, rrr, 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 doing that uh, Yeah, Rick, Rick is over, but again, he's a guy with, like, one thing. And that's, I don't know if that's enough to get somebody over at this point in time in this company. As soon as the crowd starts chanting, USA, 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 we learn from today that DDP got jumped. They totally take attention away from the match that is happening in ring. But it's kind of interesting. Like, you never see this anymore in wrestling. And there's and uh, DDP tonight is going to tag with the Total Package. Yeah, Lex Luger. Lex Luger. And it's like, man, nicknames like the Total Package. <laughs> I know. I don't think we'll ever see nicknames of those of that caliber ever again. No, and it's so... So I was a little bit bummed because this match is simple but fun. Like, the Steiners are excellent. Uh, all the Japanese guys they brought in are so refreshing to watch and so interesting, but it was difficult to concentrate on match because every three minutes, you know, one of the announcers would be, DDP has been mugged! New it's updates! Been... DDP may not be able to compete! Why? Come on. <laughs> so eventually we do wrap up this this six-man tag here. Uh, Scott gets a lot of offense in. Scott hits some suplexes. And throughout all of this... He's hogging the ring he's time. He's hogging the ring time. Rick is holding out his hand like, tag me in, Scott. We're ready. We're going to hit our tag team finisher. And Rick says, nope. When Rick's getting ready to do that uh, bulldog, mm -hmm. uh, Scott hits... G Scott, no, he doesn't hit Gato. He fucking kills Gato with the yeah. Steiner screwdriver. Yes, it is disgusting. He gets, the, he gets the three and Rick is... Furious. Yeah, he's hurt because he was ready for his brother, his tag team partner, to tag him in so they could hit their tag team finisher on Ghetto and get that pin. But Rick Steiner, one might say, looks like a kicked dog face gremlin. Mm. And to think, you know, Lee Marshall was telling us to get our game faces on for this match, or rather, our dog faces on. They're a very funny company. Great jokes. Jovial guys. <laughs> Jovial guys. So this was like this was like a fun sort of clash of styles match that unfortunately was hamstrung by the fact that the three-man announce team was screaming about DDP getting mugged in the parking lot while the match was happening that somehow they know. Yeah, this match is, it's, it's a nothing match. Yeah, we're, we're seeing the breakup of the signers finally start to happen. And you want to know what? We got to watch a little Big Boss Man. We got to watch a couple of couple of strong style boys come out and slap each other around like this match even with the narrative bullshit around it was so much more interesting than any match from last episode yeah. that already this is a huge improvement yeah good deal then we cut to a saturday night uh wcw saturday night commercial and uh marty Jannetty is back it's not like a promo for any one wrestler it's just a promo for the show itself uh, which is, I guess, the C show to Thunder's B show. Ah, uh, maybe a new podcast? No. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, after that, we go back to the aggro crag, and we got some new, fresh boys entering the ring. 
Nick, do you recognize this handsome Japanese man coming to the ring with Sonny Ono? Because I just about shit myself when this guy came out. I sure do, and holy shit, it's Yuji Nagata! The Blue Justice himself. Not in a full Blue Justice mode here, he's just kind of... Yuji Nagata, regular guy with a little goatee and mustache, wearing these awesome gold sort of wristbands and a big Japanese t-shirt, and he looks like, uh, a, like a guy. Like a guy. He looks like a guy, yeah. you know. And Sonny Ono is his manager because this is WCW, and if you're a Japanese wrestler, you're contractually obligated to have Sonny Ono manage you. It's like Blue Justice Year One. Yeah, the Blue Justice origin story. Marshall says that. This is one of the first matches in a newly christened martial arts division? Yeah, this can't be something like, that lasts what? very long. I mean, the very idea of having like a, a division in your wrestling promotion where you're like, ah, this is where the real fighting is, is never a good idea because it makes the rest of it look fake. Also, Yuji Nagata is not a martial artist. He is he is a professional wrestler. Like, he, they... They say he has some amateur wrestling background. Which, which I'll, I'll believe. Absolutely. I I'll bet believe. he does. To see him here as, like, generic tough foreigner is kind of strange. I know, considering that he held that belt, the IWGP belt, and you put some fucking respect on that name. WCW, up until now, just seems to be like, we are happy that we have access to these sort of international wrestlers, but they're never going to treat them on the same level of reverence as they have to, you know, the American or the Canadian guys. They're always going to be the heels, the sneaky wrestlers, you know, they're the bad boys. There is a great moment when they're walking down the ring to, I almost said walking down the aisle together. Uh, when they're walking to the ring, Yuji Nagata is stopped by his manager, Sonny Ono, and Sonny Ono takes out a little camera and does a late 90s selfie with oh, Yuji. About 20 years ahead of his time, Yuji Nagata and uh, Sonny Ono are. Someone has a sign uh, as Yuji Nagata is walking into the ring that says, WCW is where the big boys play, which just got a big, <laughs> I love it. There's loads of big boys on this show. Uh, speaking of big boys, who comes out of the crag next, oh, but... face Yuji Nagata. The cat, Ernest Miller, three-time karate champion. That's a shoot accomplishment. But that's He's... just like, karate. what do you mean karate? Like, they got all the... It's like a like... Dragon Ball tournament, every master of karate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like legit uh, a world champ. Yeah, Ernest Miller comes down to the ring wearing a leopard print WCW gi open to look at his gut, and he is just so aggressively high-fiving all the marks in the crowd. Like, he doesn't look happy about it. He's just, like, slapping dudes. I wouldn't either. Like, in the next ten or so years, he's gonna end up being, like, jobber to the stars. Yeah, he, like every other actual martial artist that comes through the doors of professional wrestling, is treated like a schmuck and will die a schmuck, and only his fleas will mourn him. So they start the match, and uh, Ernie gives him a fucking good kick in the yeah, jaw. Gives yeah, gives Nagata a good so, kick in the jaw. So basically, the instant the bell rings, Ernie the Cat Miller does a, like, forward thrust kick to Yuji Nagata's jaw, knocks him out, and goes for a pin and almost gets the three. Which would have blown my gourd. Yeah, I, I remember when we were watching this, I got so excited because I'm like, oh my god, like an unexpected 
crazy result. But, of course, Nagata is not going to be done that quickly, and he kicks out of it and starts to be like, oh, shit, this R, I can't let this guy hit me because he's, like, king of karate. And, you know, he's chopping and kicking Nagata, and he's bumping for him like an yeah, absolute Cat is a really interesting guy to see in a wrestling ring because he's a guy who very apparently has, like, basically no professional wrestling training, or if he does, none of it stuck. Throughout this match, Nagata is trying to get Cat to wrestle, and he won't do it. Dude, Miller, you're absolutely right. Miller is not yeah. a wrestler. No. Like, there's a moment in this match, like, he gets, Yuji is setting up for, like, a standing figure four, which they call the Nagata lock, and that was, we'll find out, like, the ten years. The blue lock. Yeah, we'll find out ten years later that that is not the Nagata lock. No, it's not. But, um, Miller's trying to grab onto the rope, but he keeps like, oh, my hands keep slipping away. <laughs> it's like, dude, if you just grab onto the rope, yeah. the, the ref will break it. Yeah, like, we're only Yuji like a third it. of the way into the show. There's no way those ropes are that greasy already. No. Yuji Nagata hits a couple of interesting moves during this match. There's at one point where Yuji uh, goes for a pile driver on Cat Miller, and I don't know if he's nervous because he's green or not, but Miller just refuses to take this pile driver from no, Nagata. Now this the, this pile driver is like one of the safest I've it's, ever seen. But it's not though because it's like Yuji is trying to do it safe and catch Miller's head between his knees before it hits the floor. But Miller is so scared that Nagata is gonna Could fuck drop him, up him on his head. Drop him on his head that Miller like bails on the move mid delivery, which just makes it look super fake and yeah. miserable. Dude, and you got it. It's, it's, it's another example of Miller having kind of all the athletic talents, but when it comes to actually being able to, like, professionally wrestle... It's just, it's not there. It's not It's not there. clicking. Well, that's he's, why he'll be a job. He's too much player. of an actual martial artist to be able to, like, totally immerse himself in this. He just can't bring himself to, like, oh, there's a move in this sport where that guy just drops me on my head and I have to hope that he catches me before I land on it? Like, fuck that. I'm not doing it. So... Little, after a little back and forth at the end of this match, uh, Ernest Miller, the innovator of the Trouble in Paradise, it's a pretty good roundhouse kick on Nagata, and he's down on the mat. The innovator of the Trouble in Paradise. Then he hulks up, and then he goes for another one off the top rope, and then does a like a jumping roundhouse kick at Nagata, and it's you know it looks pretty cool. It's just you know, it, it, it's a jumping kick. You can tell there's kind of the inklings of a push here because he ends up winning here. He hits Nagata with this crazy roundhouse kick and he's down for the count. One, two, three. Big pot. Miller wins. He beats the evil uh, Japanese wrestler. And yet you're still like, even after winning, the company treats this win as like, it, this is like a sideshow match, you know? This and of course, like Sonny's got to get in there and do his little, like, he tries to kick him in the back. Yeah, and he gets he... his heat back, and sadly, uh, we will not see much more of Cat Miller, as he pretty much, he's lower mid-card until he dies, looks basically. Like, he looks like Loki's older brother. I thought that through this whole match, is that I felt like, damn, Loki must have watched all seven televised Cat Miller matches. And said, this is it. And said, this is my guy. This guy that can't really wrestle, but if he kicks you in the head and knocks you out, he'll still try to do moves. That penchant for being, you know, way, way, way stiff. Well, I'm just taking himself so, yeah, so seriously. We, uh, before we go to the next segment, uh, sign watch. Oh, what's the sign? Uh, we, it fades into the audience, and there's a sign that says, 
Hogan fears Mr. Hanky. Yeah. And then someone made like a, a little Mr. Hanky. Yeah. yeah, a little poop with a Santa hat. Uh, so after the match, we cut back up to the ramp. And Nick, there's some middle-aged men in suits here. Something we've never seen before in WCW. No. Shocked and chagrined, Andrew. J.J. Dillon and Tony Schiavone, my boy Big T. J.J. Dillon looking like a fucking budget private eye in a film noir. He looks, ugh. He looks like a fucking payday bar that's melting. He looks like a mess. They both look like messes like most middle-aged white men from the mid to late 90s. We're losing Shivani's proto-mullet. It's not like a party in the back where it's like a rager. It's just no, like a small get-together. it's a business all over. Yeah, it's just a small get-together where we you know, play munchkin in the break room. Yeah, you just bought a new couch and it's like we are not going to vomit on this tonight. I'm an adult now. I bought a couch. So, J.J. Dillon addresses DDP's mugging outside <laughs> of the arena. Which is still so ridiculous that in a, in a show where everything has cameras on it, DDP arrives in his limo at the arena and gets jumped and there's nobody there to film it? Uh, so, Dillon's addressing his mugging and, quote, Despite conflicting reports, what I, I do, do know is... Then the mic gets cut out. Oh! <laughs> I'm hanging. And the gain rises a little bit and then just. And then the audio cuts out. And Brain's like, oh, you never know what could happen. We're alive. <laughs> and it's like, I know exactly what's happening. WCW is hemorrhaging money. For a minute when it cuts out, oh, it's the. Maybe it's the sneaky NWO and they don't want the truth to get out about their attack on DDP tonight. But it, yeah, it quickly becomes apparent that this is just like a technical fuck-up and they weren't planning on this and his mic actually did go out. Just looks like an absolute goober. So after his mic blows out, they're trying to figure out what's going on and who comes hobbling into the middle of the frame behind them, but the man himself, Diamond Dallas Page... Who's uh, walking on the yeah, foot! Yeah, he has he's, a crutch! He's on a crutch, but he's gonna try to be like, look, I know I just got mugged. I know I'm mad fucked up and I got this big old crutch I'm walking on. But you want to know what? I'm a man in my mid to late 30s. I'm going to go. Uh, unfortunately, J.J. Dillon basically says like, Oh, I don't know. Oh, DDP, you can't do that. DDP, he's like, you're uh, hurt. What are you going to do? He says, uh, you know, I can't have you go out there without a medical paper or else, you know. You we'll get sued. It. Yeah. And DDP, that's exactly what DDP says. What am I gonna do? Sue you? Yes, Dylan says, this is the 90s. It's a fact of life <laughs> that people just sue other folks. Uh, and of course, DDP says, DDP don't do lawsuits and says that he's gonna, he's gonna take the legal heat if, you know, he's gonna end up doing this match in the main event and then if anything happens, if he gets fucked up, He'll take the blame, and, you know, WCW won't be liable, which I feel the need to state again that's not how, like, law works or liability. You can't just say to somebody, like, you'll be good if I do this, like, illegal thing. Or just give me a just give me a paper that says I'll wrestle and I'll do it. Yeah, exactly, just, yeah. yeah. So DDP's trying to reassure everybody. Everybody else is kind of skeptical, and we still don't know if, if DDP will be wrestling the main event tonight. We'll have to see. WCW pushing the boundaries of what wrestling can be. And to quote DDP, takes WCW off the hook. Yeah, off the hook. 
Match oh. number three. Guess who comes out? Our boy of boys. My best friend. Your best friend. Your it's... grifter best friend that sleeps on your couch for two weeks. <laughs> the guy that says, no, nah, it's cool, I'll wash dishes or something. It's Louis Spicoli. <laughs> Uh, Louis Spicoli, of course, our famous soon-to-be-dead jobber. Uh, he's got about a month or so left on his clock there. And he is going to wrestle, unfortunately, Scott Hall. So, uh, Ooh. Louis Spicoli, our little chubby baby here, not long for this world. Scott Hall comes in out of the crag wearing two belts. Yeah, Scotty, Scotty two, two belts. belts. Yeah. Uh, he has the tag belt, uh, and also a quote-unquote heavyweight belt that according to the the announce desk he got from a jewelry store in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, they basically he made his own title belt and comes in with it like I'm the big dick. And just uh, somebody says uh, Scott Hall looks like the grill of a 62 Impala. Marshall asks, quote, "Where's Big Kev?" Yes, probably Scott not. Probably not here. If Scott doesn't have his backup. They're nervous that again there might be some dissension within the NWO. They they were fighting last week, and then this week they've got Scott Hall doesn't have his best bosom buddy next to him. Kevin Nash. Where's Kevin Nash coming in? Quote thinking he's the Gallup poll. I have no fucking clue what I, that means. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's saying that like Scott Hall thinks he's always right. But that would imply that the Gallup poll uh, is always right, and it's, and it's not, not, so it's kind of... Hence Donald Trump. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hall comes into the ring and begins getting... He gets a microphone, he starts cutting a promo, and Scott Hall is speaking directly to the camera. It's very Brechtian, his approach to uh, professional <laughs> wrestling here. So he looks right at the camera, he's doing his shtick, and he asks us all he wants to know. Are you with the NWO, or are you against us? Yeah, he's been taking a survey. It's either you, 50-50. Would you think that maybe this is just an isolated incident? Or no. do you think that the NWO is kind of reaching their sell-by date? We're getting there, definitely. I mean, we're not at full wolf pack yet, but it's, we're, getting, we're, yeah, getting we're getting there. there. Yeah, and you can see the, the seeds of dissension are clearly, you know, we're in full swing of that storyline already. So this feels kind of desperate from Scott Hall. Like, he, need, he needs to, to have to that... He, he needs to have that reassurance from the crowd that, like, yes, we're all still on the same page. We're all fucking NWO for life. And it's all going to be all right. We're going to crush WCW. But the writing is on the wall, I would say, already. It, it didn't make him look tough or strong. So after he tries to sell himself to the crowd and getting a iffy response, he turns to our boy and goes, Yeah, you look like an intelligent young man. When he asks him, like, what's his name? And he says, uh, uh, Louis Piccoli. And he tells Scott Hall, and I'm going to be 27 next month. And I'm just like, oh, no, fuck. Well, you are for a little bit. <laughs> You're gonna get a couple of days. He's trying to get. He's trying to ask Louis Piccoli, like, "Yeah, what side are you on?" And he says, I "I'm here to see NWO." Like he's oh, he like you said like we said last week. He lived and died as a mark. But uh, who's that, Andrew? Oh, Whoa. to break up the love fest between Louis Piccoli and Scott Hall, but the Sugar Hole himself. <laughs> 
Larry Land has pulled into port. Larry Zabisco uh, marches down to the ring in a full suit. Looking and like a like, fucking Atlantic City casino. Yes, fucking yeah. He looks like Nicolas Cage in the movie Snake Eyes. And go, <laughs> and go look it up and compare it to this because I'm not wrong. Uh, Larry Zabisco marches up to the ring apron and like somehow manages to shit on both Spicoli and Scott Hall at More the so. same time. He's like... You're such a little poke and you can't think of yourself and you, you big greasy motherfucker, I hate both of you. And after, you know, after he calls, <laughs> after he calls out his greasiness, you know, he's turning to, uh, Larry's turning to Spicoli and just going like, are you going to make, you, this guy going to make a mook out of you? Like, is he, is he gonna, are you going to, you know, take that from him? And this is all to egg on Scott. Yes, Scott is going to be in about a week or so from now at the pay-per-view sold out. Scott is going to have a match against Larry Zabisco, which is part of why he's here to, you know, Oh, Scott, I'm going to get in your head before we have this big pay-per-view match. And I, my God, we're living in a really Bizarre. weird dimension because everybody's cheering for Larry. Yeah, this is so hot. Well, they love him. Un unlike last week, you know, so we didn't get to see Larry last week outside of the flashback, that mar that martial arts match between uh, him and uh, Bischoff. So it's kind of funny to see dad, like full dad mode Larry Zabisco come out here and just get off my lawn, these two younger wrestlers. Uh, Larry jumps in and starts talking shit to Scott Hall. Unfortunately, Louis Spicoli, how could you? Oh, the, the, our, our long-awaited Louis Spicoli heel turn. It finally happens. He Pearl Harbors Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco is down. Scott Hall runs for Larry and gets flipped yeah. over the ropes. Yeah. What happened was Louis picked him up. Like, he's holding, uh, he's holding them for Scott to, to run into Larry. And then Larry overpowers Louie, he ducks, and then Scott flies out of the fucking ring. Yeah, Larry Zabisco lands clean. right on his fucking noggin. Yeah, Larry Zabisco cleans house here. He flips Scott out of the ring. Larry Zabisco is dressed like he is Robin Williams' stunt double in the birdcage and does a fucking <laughs> spinning roundhouse kick at age 50 million. How old he is to Louis Spicoli and stands all we complain about veterans and part-timers and old wrestlers getting booked really strong in wwe today but on the second episode oh, of WCW, candle to larry sabisco larry sabisco obliterated two men half his age and it wasn't even in a match oddly enough it works like this is cr it's crazy yeah, the crowd is super hot for it as they should be because you're right you can't help but love it it's like uh, the Rock and Roll Express and NWA now. The fact that the Rock and Roll Express are title holders in 2019 to 2020 is nuts to me. So, after we get another beautiful panning shot of all these friggin' hicks in the stands, uh, we cut to a recap with uh, Jericho and our, and our other big boy, Mongo McMichael. Jericho loses to McMichael in this uh, in this bout. He throws a tantrum. <laughs> the last then... time in Jericho's career he would ever lose to somebody who wasn't a wrestler. And then after this match, he addresses the crowd and, quote, apologizes for his ridiculous behavior over the past two weeks. Jericho, and, he, yes. and he's sorry. And believe him when he says this, it will never, ever... <laughs> Happen again. again. 
Jericho then starts talking to little baby Rey Mysterio and is just completely patronizing him. He shakes his head and then it beats the shit out of him before uh, Rey's match with Hoovy on Nitro. Yes, which leads to Rey Mysterio being unable to challenge Hoovy Guerrero for the Cruiserweight title that match. So Jericho is directly responsible for fucking over Rey's chances here. And now, tonight on Thunder, we are going to get a number one contenders match for that Cruiserweight title with Jericho versus the legend and Rey's best friend, Eddie Guerrero. He comes in too. He, he comes in fucking steamed. He's yeah. like, he's like, you Eddie fucked is over pissed. Ray Ray and I'm pissed the fuck oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're back to uh, this episode of Thunder and Jericho enters the ring to cut a promo and Nick, he is booed out of the building. It's, it's what awesome. he... It's awesome. He's, Jericho starts cutting this promo about Ray, saying that Ray said derogatory remarks to him under his breath and under the mask that only Chris Jericho would hear. And then Jericho, a paragon virtue, yes, had, had to, to put him in his place. It's just so petty and brilliant, and Jericho is the king of this shit. He's awesome. So, Eddie comes yeah, out. So he's wet. I mean, he looks good. Slippery, but good. Yeah, he doesn't... When you watched Eddie, Eddie Guerrero late in his career, he always looked like Eddie, but he looked like he had been blown up with a balloon pump. This is... Eddie is still big here, but he's definitely more natural than he got to be. You know, he didn't look like super He didn't look too and, chonky. And he didn't like, look too yeah. chonky. So, yeah, Eddie is pissed. He hates that... He was hoping to have, like, a real Lucha Libre match with Rey Mysterio. And instead, he's got to fight this number one contendership battle against Chris Jericho. And I'm so fucking hype. When these guys get in the ring together, it's for the first time in us watching Thunder, I'm like... Oh my god. Oh my god. Like, we watched like the best. We have like here. two two of the goats are about to fucking go on it. Number one contendership match. The only thing that makes me nervous is we're like a third halfway through the show. Damn. I'm nervous they're only gonna get like ten minutes, and spoiler alert, they, they do. do. Like everything else on Thunder, this match is very short and there isn't much to it. Well, it's a fast-paced start from Eddie, by the way. You know, he tries to... Chris Jericho tries to shake his hand, but then tries to pull him in for a, for a clothesline. But you're yeah. not going to get one up on Latino. No, Eddie is, no the fucking Eddie is the king of cheating. He knows all the tricks. So, so he, he, dodge, he dodges the clothesline and gives Jericho a shoulder tackle. These guys are so quick on their feet, and they're able to counter each other so quickly that it's one of those great moments where you forget that this is all choreographed, like, which is funny because all this stuff is like the most choreographed, and yet, it's, they're so good at it, and they're so quick, and they're so able to make this look like every moment is calculated and considered. It's awesome. And then after the, after a little mat wrestling dealie, Chris lifts Eddie over his head, like he's gonna freaking gorilla press him. He is so fucking strong, dude. Like, yeah, you forget because really Chris Jericho over his head. Yeah, Chris Jericho isn't the biggest guy, but him and Eddie are close to the same height. And seeing Chris do that gorilla press is pretty crazy because Eddie is a compact man. You know, he's not that tall, but he's big. Uh, it's really cool to see. They're they're pretty even throughout this whole match. I mean, you really cruiserweight Chris Jericho is sort of fun to watch. He's so quick. And he's so, even compared to Eddie, I would say he's got close to the same level of speed. Just pure, raw agility that Eddie has. And also just, you know, real, raw strength. Like those yeah. friggin' chops 
hurt. Oh, absolutely. My yeah. God. This is a weirdly stiff match between for two cruiserweights. You know, it's you're used to, especially in WWE. We're watching like, fucking brawl them out. Yeah, you're, you're used to seeing these kind of flippy boy stunt shit. You know, young bucks, their shtick. And instead, you're getting this cool hybrid wrestling match where there's like... Oh, like missile drop kicks and yeah, uh, uh, Shining Wizard from yeah, Eddie at the beginning. Eddie does an, ab- an abdominal stretch to Chris Jericho. Like and a does... shit Eddie uses the second he... rope as like leverage. Yes, yeah, Eddie holds on to the second rope during it and Chris is all crying in pain and stuff. And then those kind of slower moments are peppered in with the faster exchanges. I think in all this, this is a really well... Thought, like, they clearly took some time on this. They knew they were going to have seven or eight minutes, and they're going to get all their shit in as fast as they can. Another great spot in this match. Uh, Jericho gets Eddie up for a power bomb, but then Eddie reverses it and then rolls Chris up for uh, for a two count. Oh yeah, it, oh, it's, oh, that, those reversals are so fucking crisp. They're it's so, so cool. quick. Yeah, and you could tell how easy it was for Chris and Eddie to work together because it's so. There's no hesitation. They can read each other so perfectly that whenever some guy is going to execute a move or needs to execute a counter or something, there's zero hesitation. It's instant. Well, kind of. Eddie's getting Chris up for a gory special, but then he just loses his grip and drops Chris on his fucking head. Yes, that is, of all the good stuff they do, Eddie does just straight up drop Chris Jericho near the end of this match. They recover quickly, though, because at the end of this match, uh, Eddie goes for a hurricanrana, but Chris Jericho stops Eddie in his tracks and gets him in a fucking lion tamer. Yeah, it's brutal. He stretches Eddie out. Uh, just what, so, what you were talking about so quick, not just physically, but just like Mentally. how, yeah, yeah, just they know exactly what's coming. It rules, and <laughs> what equally rules is uh, Eddie's cup which looks like it's just a gigantic bulge. Yeah, I couldn't tell what happened here. So as Eddie <laughs> is in the lion tamer, he taps out. Jericho gets the win. But while he's in the submission, Eddie's cup, like, moves out of its place and just starts basically... It looks like he's going on a camping trip. Yeah, it looks like it's trying to leave. <laughs> it looks like Eddie's cup is trying to leave his jocks and it doesn't want to be there anymore. Like, I'm not surprised he's that... He's got he... a <laughs> I'm not surprised that Eddie wears a cup. Because as, you know, All a guy who lies, cheats, cups. and steals, yeah. you know, he's going to expect a nut shot. All wrestlers should wear cups. You hear otherwise, that, AJ? Yeah, otherwise Shinsuke is coming for you. King of dick punch style. Don't remind me. So as we come back from commercial, we cut right back to a recap of this most recent Monday Night Nitro. Surprise, and, surprise. And Nick, who is that standing talking to Mean Gene Okerlund making his WCW debut? That big pink hunk of meat with that beautiful leather jacket and sunglasses is none other than Jim Neidhart. Oh, the Natty Daddy. <laughs> That he literally is. He's Natty's dad. But the, so Natty Daddy comes down the ramp and he's talking to Mean Gene. And the first thing he does, like a true member of the Hart Foundation, he just puffs up Brett. Yeah. He yeah. says, like, yeah, Rick talks a big game, but Brett truly is the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be, period, with a capital T. <laughs> and uh, Mean Gene, obviously, master interviewer with Mean Gene Oakland, is listening very astutely. As soon as Neidhart finishes his shtick, his shouty, coked out promo, defending Brett, out comes another shouty, coked up wrestler. 
Rick Woo. Richard Flair. So, uh, so like the Thunder logo swoops in, uh-huh. and then we're transported to uh, our, the, our conversation here. Rick calls Jim out and says, uh, you know, he's only saying this shit because he's married to Brett's sister. <laughs> like, he knows for a fact that, you know, he is the 16-time world champion. And to quote uh, Flair, he says, uh, I'm Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. It's yeah. like, <laughs> for some reason, that sets Jim off enough that he rips his jacket off and just starts screaming at Ric Flair. Uh Rick goes to the ring to face Jim. Jim, mind you, is dressed like, I guess, a wrestler, right? He's got pants on, but he's got no shirt. He's here to fight. Rick is like, I'm going to fight this motherfucker in my suit. He's cut into the ring in a full suit to fight Jim Neidhart. He actually, uh, Rick asked him, do you have your gear? And he said, quote, I was born with my gear on. Jim Neidhart kind of looks like a a ham hock. He does. He is so pink and i almost feel like they let him into the heart foundation less because he was married to brett's sister and more because his skin color matched the color of their jocks <laughs> so it's like the, the very pink yes <laughs> so rick goes to the ring to fight jim rick again wearing a full tan suit oh, uh, and then before anything can happen rick pulls out a pair of brass knuckles and just and just whacks blocks him here's the thing though and he and this schmuck he uh, he's like, well, let me go get my gear. I'll be right back. And he does get his he gets gear. He gets his gear, it's, but it's brass, brass knuckles. knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Rick tears off his. Rick, you know, takes his jacket off. He looks like he's going golfing. Yeah, he's got like a little polo shirt tucked into his khakis and a little little belt. So he nails Jim with the uh, brass knuckles, and then right then, who comes in to make the save? My favorite wrestler of all time, the one, the best there is. The best there was. The best there ever will be. The Brett Man. Santina Brett. No, Brett Hart! It's Brett Hart! (laughs) Rick does the figure four on Jim Neidhart on the ring post. It's crazy. Brett comes in to attack Rick. Rick runs like a little baby boy, and Brett and Rick brawl on the outside, trading punches. And again, Brett, Brett is out here on Nitro in his leather jacket, Heart Foundation jacket, and like a cool t-shirt and jeans. And Rick is in like a fight. You're right. He looks like he's, he's going golfing. golfing. Uh, so they schmoz, and that's the end of the segment. So we come back to the announce desk, and Brain is livid yeah. that Dylan hasn't made a decision as to who the heavyweight title should go to. But Tanae asks him, how are they going to settle it? And Brain says, get them in the ring. And it's like, you want J.J. Dylan in the ring? Are we going to have another <laughs> authority figure match after that fucking mess? <laughs> well, you want to know what? They was, had uh, Eric, Bischoff had, Eric Bischoff had a match, so why not J.J. Dillon? Ugh. He's only 30 years older than Bischoff. Fucking no thank you. So we, uh, we cut now to our... Um, to the next match, and who comes out of the crag? It's Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Guerrero, one of the uh, the secondary Guerrero to Eddie. However, Chavo, one of the cool things about Chavo is he was always willing to try new stuff. Like, the, you remember the Kerwin White gimmick? Yes. Where his gimmick was that he he now had rejected his Mexican heritage and was like a racist white guy who would come in on a golf court cart. And his his catchphrase was. If it's all, what was it? it if was it's like, all if it's, white, then it's, it's all, all right. right. I, so which is just, yeah. it's a heat magnet. Yeah. 
However, on WCW, this Chavo Guerrero is plain old luchador Chavo Guerrero. He's coming out to a fight, and as he is walking out of the crag down the ramp... Who's he gonna fight, he, Andrew? He looks like he's gonna cry, because Chavo, <laughs> Chavo knows that he's gonna have to fight Goldberg. However... Wait a minute, who's this? That's not Goldberg. Chavo's sort of fretting is interrupted by a disco ball. It's Disco Inferno. That's, wow. not, that's not Goldberg. Man, this... That's like the anti-Goldberg. This... I can't even joke when I say, like, I was going to say, oh, this legendary wrestler, but, like, Disco Inferno is not over. No, and he sucks. The thing is, like, Disco Inferno was a guy who was never over, but... People did the dance in the crowd because they're marks. Yeah, it was a Fandango situation where people liked Disco's, like, one finger point move that he had, and they never wanted to see him wrestle. No. So Disco is out here, I guess, taking Goldberg's spot, cuts the members <laughs> of the crowd doing the little Disco Inferno, like, Disco finger point staying alive dance, and the couple it cuts to in the front row who are doing the dance look like it's a hostage video out of North Korea. Like, they yeah, just look, they they just... look like they're being forced to be there. Yeah, and then the, and the woman is next to the guy is just like, oh, how fun, the guy's <laughs> doing Disco in the ring. It's just like, Jesus, this guy... This guy sucks. So he shits on Chavo, saying people aren't there to see Chavo, and Chavo... And well, to be fair, he's half right. Yeah, people are there to dance. However, Chavo so succinctly sums up what is pathetic about Disco Inferno that it's amazing his career did not end here, where after all this shit, Disco Inferno cuts this big, long promo on Chavo, saying nobody likes him, nobody's there to see him, and Chavo just hits back with, You can't dance! You're Which a, is true. He says, quote, you're a joke. I know it. The wrestlers in the back know it. And deep down, you know oh, it. Which brutal. in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, this is a fucking shoot. This is a murder. Yeah, you can see. You <laughs> Someone can see. call the police. This guy's been shot to death. You can see just the, the fucking agony in Disco Inferno's eyes. It's so miserable. He fucking knows it's oh, true, yeah. dude. So Disco strikes back by hitting uh, Chavo Guerrero with a cutter. However, after doing this, he realizes the man that is supposed to be there is coming down the ring. It is my Jewish golem himself. <laughs> Goldberg. And Goldberg wastes no time. Oh, yeah. This isn't he, a match. He like, does, no, he does one solid spear and then a jackhammer to end this man's life. Oh, yeah. And then uh, to quote Marshall, quote, Goldberg cancels Disco's dance card. Oh, that's so good. Ugh. He gets fucked so hard. Uh, the match, quote unquote, if you want to call that, is over. And Nick, we have a great sign watch coming up. Ooh. Sign watch, sign watch. Uh, as the camera pans through the crowd in between segments here, we see a sign that says Dyslexia 613. <laughs> yes, we so do. So tasteful. <laughs> oh, the 90s were a politically correct time. Oh, but it was a damn, you know, everybody thought it was funny back then. That means it had to be right. It is. Just what I would expect from fucking Lakeland, Florida. Don't at me. Um... I'm reluctant to even recap this next segment because it is a recap of last week's Thunder. Well, we don't have to, Andrew. Let's we... cut to the boys last week. J.J. Dillon makes a decision. You know what they said to Stinger after watching the footage that we saw? We're vacating the belt. And we're back. <laughs> Live on Thunder. <laughs> Out comes our two favorite lick spittles, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. These two jabronis come out of the crag, and you know what? Bobby Heenan here is absolutely right. Hogan without a belt is like kryptonite. 
Yeah, he Hogan has basically completely lost his mind. He's coming out doing all the moves. He's doing the air guitar. And Hogan kisses Eric Bischoff on the head, and Eric's, like, eyes roll in the back of his head like, oh, that's my man. It's awesome. <laughs> and on their way down to the ring, Hulk Hogan finds a fan holding a sign with his face on it and kisses doing? his uh, own face. Why? Which, again, would be a heel move if it was anybody other than Hogan, who you know this is how he really feels. He really does love himself that much. The thing is, like, I don't know if we touched on this last week, but I think this is the best Hogan has ever looked. Yeah. He, like, in so the 80s, like, he was, like, puffy. And, well, you know, yeah, this is post-steroid like post scandal. I think he's still pretty clearly juicing here, but... He looks a little slimmer. The heel uh, garbs fit him much better than the, you know, mustard and ketchup look that he had before. And yeah, I mean, I would say most people, I think, in this point in time would agree that, like, Hollywood Hogan fucking rules. It's a great gimmick. It's crazy that this is 1998 and Hulk Hogan is still the most over guy on this show. Every Sting fan hates Hogan, which is, you know, of course, which is great. Of course. Which is, you know, that, that's He's second goal. only to, like, flare on the Sting enemies list. Oh. So they get into the ring, Eric takes the microphone and starts talking about the 1.5 million bond that they've all decided to put up to make sure that Hogan goes through with the fight with Sting. Hogan says that 1.5 million dollars is, quote, no yeah. big deal. Ain't no big Ain't deal. Ain't no big deal. He then says, Andrew, uh, I, I'd like to introduce a new segment to the show in our second episode. Mm. Um, I'd like to introduce Sonnet Time with Hulk Hogan. Oh. <clears throat> when I was in Venice Beach yesterday and I stuck my Harley Davidson in the ocean, brother, with a palm tree and a hippie in each hand, I looked at the big and W.O. White in the sky, and I said, Why, why, why does J.J. Dillon have to lie? And he said, Hollywood, that's because you are the real champion. Oh, oh, thank you, yes. thank you. Oh, nothing but sheer beauty. Even with you saying like, it, that promo rules! It's, it's called, awesome! Hogan called God... A mark for NWO. Oh, it's awesome. so good. Uh, it, it, it's awesome. Oh my god! And apparently, he also he's. I'm sorry. After he cuts this promo, Hogan claims that he went to court over all of this. Yeah, and says that he beat. He says he already beat the quote so-called Stinger. What's well, that's his name. That's his name. That's really what he's called. Hogan says that J.J. Dillon needs to give him the belt. Right now, or he will make J.J. Dillon, quote, run for his life. There's like, you are openly threatening the head of your own company on live TV. This is like, if this, if you, if you told me this was like a Scott Steiner bit, I'd be like, I would absolutely believe just screaming at people. It's awesome. Hulk Hogan goes on to say that he is the man who made wrestling and, quote, now all you people can worship the ground I walk on. And he's trying to, he's basically saying, like, I'm still the shit. It doesn't matter what JJ or Sting or anybody else on this goddamn show tell you. I'm Hulk Hogan. I am the god of wrestling, and I will, I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. He, he literally says the wrestling world revolves around him. Yeah, he does. And he, and he kind of ends this by saying, like, you know, the, the topic is brought up, like, is there, a, is there trouble in the NWO? Because there's all this infighting, and Hogan 
does his best to dissuade these rumors that there might be some issue, but he sort of just brushes it off and then goes back to flexing as his music plays him out. Who comes out of the aggro crag next but motherfucking Ray Ray Mysterio uh, and Ruby Guerrero? Over the fence. <laughs> that was like part yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> booyaka, booyaka. Ray is so young and just fucking grinning. He is so excited to have this match against Juve Guerrero for the Cruiserweight Championship. As should be. And as Rey Mysterio is walking down the ramp, his pyro goes up behind him and scares him. Yeah, Rey, like, kind of little... jumps like there's a, he's like a dog in a thunderstorm. There's, like, this big pop and Rey kind of jumps like, oh, shit! This is one of my favorite Rey Mysterio masks. Uh, it's his classic mask design, but on the detailing around the eyes, it's like a little rainbow. Yeah. It's like a little pride flag, which I know is not intentional, as I would imagine Rey Mysterio's attitudes about gay people, at least in the 90s, were not maybe what I would hope they were. I don't know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I will I will say he probably didn't think about it at the very least. Uh, Rey's here to fight, of course, the current Cruiserweight champion, and again, just Lucha Libre legend, Juvi Guerrero. Uh, Hoovy tries to go and shake Ray Ray's hand, and he's like, I don't know, you know, maybe. And then, yeah, he does, but Ray gets right at the jump because he knows. Yeah, when he goes to the handshake, he usually gets, uh... Hoovy's gonna get, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of flips and tricks from the jump, you know. You got, uh, Ray Ray getting ready to do German suplexes, and Hoovy is, you know, flipping, flipping right out of it. Him. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. It's so um, crisp, and these guys, when, you know, when you think about Lucha Libre, you think about these... Really quick exchanges, lots of lightning fast back and forth, chain wrestling, high flying moves, hurricane ranas, you know, enzigiris, and man, these guys are putting on a clinic. Ray does a sunset flip, Hoovy counters and launches Ray Ray over the top, and then immediately Hoovy just does a, a tope right through the ropes at Ray. It's like these guys lightning are. Lightning fast, yeah. yeah. Uh, fuck. Also, later in the match, great spot, and, you know, Hoovy has an amazing fucking muscle buster. Yes, it's, it's so cool to see someone do that move. Because Ray gets so compact. Yeah. Like when he's he, so little, you well, can really chuck him around. But that's but that's what makes his selling so absolutely fantastic. Is like he fuck, it looks like it hurts. Uh, Hoovy hits a spinning leg lariat in a crazy karate movie move. Hoovy <laughs> chops Ray on the apron and then gives him a big boot. Hoovy, however, fucks this move up and accidentally hits the ring post oh and, my God, and, and hurts his that. knee on the spot, which is ridiculous. There's a couple. Uh, there's another spot, too, where Hoovy tries to go out and kind of does like half a leg drop. Yeah, on he Ray does like a leg drop to the outside. Yeah. And like he lands really fucking weird on oh, yeah. it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoovy hits like a, a tope leg drop. He hits a spinning leg lariat. He hits the chops. He hits all his moves. However, Ray keeps kicking out. He can't awesome. keep Mysterio down. Uh, while they're running the ropes, Ray Mysterio kicks Hoovy, who flies top speed into the ropes. Hoovy is kind of rattled, but he recovers, strikes Ray back. Hoovy, like, sticks his tongue out at Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Like, oh, this mother, I got this motherfucker. Bleh! Like, <laughs> what's up? It's the 90s. <laughs> um, Rey, however, counters and whips Hoovy's head into the turnbuckle. <laughs> Hoovy takes a lot of, like, questionable bumps in this match. That knee into the turnbuckle, his head into the turnbuckle. Uh, Rey starts to get some offense in. He hits a DDT. He hits some chops. And then what I have listed as general martial arts maneuvers oh yeah a like little spin bit. kicks and shit <laughs> so at the near the near the end of this match ray gets on the top rope and tries to get hoovy in his uh in his rana 
uh, that he does where he just like does a run mm-hmm. and then gets you right on the mat. Yeah. Uh, but Hoobie counters it into a power bomb. Yeah. He slams Ray Holy on the mat. Shit. It's brutal. So the power bomb knocks Ray silly. Hoovy goes up for his classic 450 finishing move, but Ray counters it before he can get off the rope into a Hurricane Rana and spikes Hoovy's head onto the mat. And uh, gets another attempt for the three, and he wins. One, two, three. We have a new cruiserweight champion, Ray Mysterio Jr., oh. my boy, your boy, Mexico's boy. Well done, yes. Yeah. Um, Th- this was the best match we've seen on Thunder so far. Oh right? yeah, far like, and away. by a by a long shot. Far and away. This I don't even have to make concessions of like, oh, this was a good match for but, Thunder. Yeah, yeah, no, this was this was a great lucha libre match. Fast paced, lots of back and forth, lots of reversals, lots of near falls. It ruled. It was yeah, awesome. I forget the and you know what exactly. No caveats. Like even forgetting no. the fact that it's a TV match. Like these no, guys, this was a title match, and they really made it show. Like this, I I'm I'm predicting we'll see more really great cruiserweight matches on Thunder again. It's a shame that all these cool matches are on the B show, yeah. where probably not a lot of people are seeing it. Yeah. Well, so I I mean I can appreciate. That they want people to get introduced into Lucha Libre like this with two of the best luchadors ever to walk the planet. Oh, yeah. At the same time, you know, they're not on your main show that's rivaling Raw. Well, they have matches on it, but you're right. This match wasn't on it. I'm sure the reason they had the championship match on Thunder was to get eyes on Thunder. Well, it worked. This was a great match. This was about the best uh, match we've seen on an episode of Thunder so far. It was awesome, and it's just cool to see two guys like this at the top of their career go at it at this speed, and it's sick. In their prime, too. A+. So now it is time for the last match and our main event yeah. of this episode Crazy of pyro. Under. The full pyro budget went off for this entrance here. Uh, so after this A-plus cruiserweight match, let's go to the footage of a recap of fucking Nitro! Yeah, for the third time this episode. The, the main event of Nitro this last week was between Macho Man Randy Savage and Lex Luger. During the match, Macho is looking like he's about to attack Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says... Help me, Lex! But then as Lex goes to white knight himself into the situation, it was a ruse, and Macho attacks Luger, so Macho and Liz have really been together this whole time. I've been duped! I've been flim-flammed! I've been bamboozled! I've been schmeckledorfed! I've been schmeckledorfed! So we cut back to our main event of Thunder tonight. Macho and Elizabeth come out of the ramp first, looking like just the happiest couple in the world, but they come out way ahead of the rest of the NWO that's going to be in this match with them. Macho's kind of on his own plane as Kevin Nash and Hogan bring up the way rear. They are way behind Macho. Macho's kind of looking back at them like these motherfuckers. Kevin Nash is chucking up the two sweet in defiance, and Hogan is sort of in the middle trying to once again play peacekeeper with the rest of the NWO, but yeah, Nick, he, it doesn't look like it's working. No, well, that's why they, they're so far back. Because Hogan knows as soon as they, they as he, those two look at each other yeah. funny. Nash and Hogan hate each other. Or, sorry, Nash and uh, uh, Macho Nash just and Macho hate, each, hate other. each other. Yeah, absolutely. All these men have beef marinating, so, uh, let's, see. <laughs> so uh, let's see how it sizzles. Yes, there's a great spot, too, where uh, Macho gets in the ring first and Hogan follows him. And then as Kevin Nash goes to get into the ring to join his NWO brethren, Macho goes up and kind of tells him, like, 
no. Like, you gotta wait for me. And then Hogan just sort of looks back at Kevin Nash and makes, like, the blah, blah, blah motion with his hands. Like, don't, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen guy. to Macho. He's crazy. I know him. It'll be cool. So Hogan tries to go up to get all three guys to do a two-sweet, and Kevin Nash is staring daggers at Macho. He you is can, so... Speaking of daggers, dude, you can cut this tension with a fucking Oh, knife. yeah, these guys hate each other, and they're going to have to be on a team together, Nick. I don't know how, how that's going to go. Well, let's find out, because who comes out of the crag next? It's Lexi Luger! Yes, they're first of two opponents for tonight. So, again, we still don't know if Diamond Dallas Page is going to be able to do this match. He said that I'll take the responsibility, I'm going to come out and do it, but we still don't know. Lex comes out alone. He's doing his shit, he's flexing, he looks kind of bored like he always does, but there's no sign of DDP for a little while until... He fucking hobbles yeah. out from off from, uh, from <laughs> like off camera. Yeah, DDP doesn't even come out on the ramp. He, like, hobbles from a side entrance with a crutch, just looking fucking miserable. And Lex tries to stop him, like, no, no, you can't do this. You're gonna get hurt. DDP is like, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. So... Hogan immediately attacks DDP as he's getting onto the apron like, yeah. like a fucking Oh, yeah, schmuck. he can't do anything. Uh, Macho takes advantage and gives uh, a gives the package a uh, double axe handle from the top rope. The the coolest move. Uh, rolls, uh, rolls Luger back in, but doesn't tag Nash. No, Macho has been standing in his own corner this time during the match, using Miss Elizabeth as, like, a human shield as the rest of the NWO beat Diamond Dallas Page with his own crutch. Ah, so DDP is not going to be able to wrestle in this match. It's gonna be two-on-one. Macho starts beating up Lex and shit, and you're right, Macho refuses to tag in Kevin Nash. According, I think, to Marshall, he says, uh, you know, Hogan's got to get his musicians in tune. Yes, he's the conductor, and it's not working. Nah. Uh, eventually, Macho decides to, okay, I'll tag in Kevin Nash. So he kind of angrily tags in Nash by hitting him. And then Nash says, you want to know what? No. Fuck you. You you got this. Go ahead. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan starts kind of, again, he sees trouble, and he's going to get in here. But before Hogan can defuse the situation... Macho starts fighting Kevin Nash. Yeah, because Kevin like, Nash throws Macho to the floor. Because Hogan like implores Nash. Hogan's like the whole time is like, come on, work together. And yeah, you're, like, you're guys imploring to tag Nash to tag yeah. out. It's two on one. We gotta have this, guys. Yeah. Right? Like he uh, he encourages Nash to tag out, and he obliges, and he just yeah. fucking goes whack right at Savage. Yeah, Macho gets knocked to the floor by Kevin Nash. So we've already got infighting here. Hogan tries to break this up by saying, it's a team effort. Get your head straight. So Nash says, okay, and tags himself out of the match by slapping Macho Man on the head. It's, it's so demeaning. It's so great. But uh, after that, you know, now it's now it's gone full-fledged uh, Savage versus Nash. Like, yes, yeah. They it's now it. just them fighting each other. And yes. uh, Luger then takes advantage. He uh, starts beating them. Uh, Savage is ready to... Oh, fuck, I missed my place. 
So Macho considers hitting Hulk Hogan. He's saying, you want to know what? Fuck it. You're clearly closer to Kevin Nash than you are me, and you're my oldest rival. I know we're all supposed to be on a team together, but I'm Macho Man. You're Hulk Hogan. I fucking hate you. He instead chooses not to do it, and when he's kind of thinking about what to do next, Lex Luger attacks. Lex gets Hulk Hogan in the torture rack. Yeah. Lex gets Kevin Nash in the torture rack. While Kevin Nash is in the torture rack, Macho Man tries to elbow drop Nash while he's still in the rack. It's, it's a total... Uh, as as they would say in hockey, a defensive breakdown. Yes, it is a mess. A complete lack of communication. Yes, it is guys. a mess. So as Kevin Nash is in uh, Lex Luger's torture rack, Macho sees an opportunity to be a petty shithead and elbow drop Kevin Nash while he's hurt. Yep. But he fucks up and elbow drops Hulk. Or el sorry, elbow drops uh, Lex Luger instead. Yep. And he gets, uh, you know, and then he, you know, takes advantage of that by like stomping him out. Yeah, and yeah. Like that. And now Hogan's ready to, you know, get his retribution on Lex. He goes for the big boot on Lex Luger, but accidentally big boots Macho Man in the dick. And he's just going like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't mean to kick you in the dick. It was your fault, though, that you were in this position. Hogan and Macho start jawing at each other. Macho's like, how could you kick me in the dick? They're nose to nose. We're getting throwbacks to WrestleMania. And while they're jawing, while Macho and Hogan are jawing at each other, oh my God, here comes Giant. Giant has walked down the ramp, and there is an incredible cartoonish spot where Hogan, Hogan and Macho are oblivious and shoving each other, and Macho shoves Hogan, and Hogan falls back into Giant and does the kind of cartoon like... He's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah, he goes <laughs> turns like, around. He literally, like, he does a... Yes. It's it's uh it's so stupid. Oh no, it's oh it's but so it's, good. Um, here's the caveat. This is what Hogan is the best. It's at. the you're absolutely right. You took the words right yeah. out of my mouth. It's the best thing he he, he, he does is a, here. He's a living cartoon. Uh, giant immediately choke slam Hulk Hogan, and he threatens to choke slam Kevin Nash. But Nick, as you remember, he can't he touch can't him. Touch but Kevin Nash. we're left with a we're left with a great visual as like it's just the looming threat. Even even just seeing Nash like beaten up in the middle uh in the corner of the ring and you know yeah just like he knows what's coming yeah and kevin nash mind you hasn't been touched by the guy he's gonna have to be facing it sold out no. kevin nash got beat up by his own teammate yeah that's so if anything we're left with the question is the nwo a bigger threat to kevin nash than the are his own friends a bigger threat to kevin nash's career than the giant could ever be so we've got the giant towering over kevin nash frothing at the mouth to get his fucking hands on this guy but he can't do it uh out come the goons yep and uh, Giant starts trying to take out all the, you know, the locker room comes out to help the NWO. They're going after Giant. Giant's making his way through, but the numbers game is starting to get to him when suddenly, here comes Sting! Sting dismantles the NWO. He beats up Hogan. He beats up Savage. He is here to fuck, and we are left <laughs> with the great 90s ending to every wrestling show, which is a bunch of dead, thick boys in the ring. To the uh, the one thing though, the one visual we get before it actually just cuts to the big fucking schmas in the middle, we see fucking Stinger fight Tenzon, and we're just like, oh, it's awesome, yeah. What a be still, my heart. Yeah, well, it's it's awesome because Giant basically single handedly dismantles all the like C list NWO guys. Uh, but yeah, seeing 
Sting come out to help Giant and then beat up Tenzon, it makes me sort of like, oh my god, New Japan Sting, like, please, we, what we could have had. Uh, so it's awesome. We end this episode of Thunder with a very 90s schmoz. Yep. All the good guys beat up all the bad guys, and we are going to roll next into sold out our first pay-per-view. And according to Mike Tanay, WCW is victorious. Sure. WCW is victorious in the sense that NWO destroyed themselves. Yeah. WCW didn't really do anything. If you actually think about it, Sting came in to and Giant came in to beat off a bunch of guys that already had a match and were already injured. Like, they're not really the good guys here. Like they they beat up a bunch of injured dudes that spent the whole match fighting, fighting each, each other. other instead of Lex Luger. Um, so we really, the fractures that we saw last week in the NWO have come to a head and are now full fault lines. There are clear divisions being drawn within the NWO. You are either with Savage or you're with the Outsiders. And Hogan is kind of caught in the middle of this. You sort of get the feeling that Hogan has more allegiance to Kevin Nash at this point only because Hogan has such a history with Savage, and they have spent so much time either as teammates with the Mega Powers or more, you know, more realistically, blood rivals. They yeah. fucking hate Even more other. recently, how did the NWO start with Hogan giving a leg drop to, to Savage. Savage? Yes, you're right. And now Savage obviously is in, but you're starting to get the thought that maybe Savage thinks this isn't what's going to be best for him, that his friends don't have his best interests best, best interest at heart. And if this match is proof of anything, it's that they don't because they just spent 15 minutes beating the shit out of each other instead of beating up the guy they were supposed to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, this is a really cool way to end the episode. I, I don't know about you. I thought at least for this episode of Thunder as our second one that we've watched, this was a marked improvement. Yes, I agree. And Much that, better. Uh, thank, all thanks, honestly, to Ray Ray and Hoobie. Like, that yeah, was, that I was thought, a I great thought the that was fun, match. too, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm it's just... It's a schmoz. Like, there's just, no I'm wrestling so, in it, I but. know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so fucking sick of the end of the show schmoz. It just it doesn't oh, make well, me... Welcome like, to the late 90s. I know, every episode I know. Is, Here comes the locker room! I know. It's, it's just... It, it just... It doesn't look, like, exciting or or um, gets me, you know, it, uh, invested in the next week's episode. It, it's just I like... I think this is these, a great way to sell the next pay-per-view. Well, I mean that. Too, well, I think what sells. NWO? I mean, what sells the paper? Yeah, well, that's what sells the pay per view. Is what's going is the infighting between the NWO, not the entire friggin' locker room coming out causing a big fucking ruckus. <laughs> yeah, well, because like, JJ Dillon has no fucking grasp of this company. Yeah, if you want to look at it in kayfabe, this really goes to show that the of uh, the inmates are truly running the, the asylum, asylum, which is the phraseology that Vince loves to use about. WCW in real life, but there, I, I, there's a part of me that feels like Vince was just watching episodes of Thunder and Nitro, and he was like, "All oh, the inmates are running the asylum." Like he thinks it's real. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I thought it was a lot. I thought there were definitely moments in this episode that dragged or that weren't as, I don't know, engrossing to me. You know, like last week. But on a whole, almost every single segment was better. There are still way too many uh, recaps of Nitro on the show. And when you consider that this episode was a whole hour shorter than the than first one, the pilot, oh God. and we still got like three Nitro recaps. Yeah, I just it's an indicator of what's to come. But I think you're absolutely right. I think the storytelling here was markedly better. Yeah, a lot better. Uh, matches here were were a lot better too, and all not, you know, not for nothing. Oh yeah, we had. I mean, even beyond Ray Ray and Hoovy, we there's some there was some other cool stuff on this show, and we even got. The greatest Hulk Hogan promo of all time, too. Oh, so, was, uh, you know. 
our Hogan sonnet. Hogan is... he. It's so funny to think that in 1998, Hulk Hogan is basically carrying this company on his back. Like, he yeah, is, in every, really he is in every segment. He's the most entertaining thing on TV. And as much as we all hate him, and he's a huge shithead... Hogan he does gets the most heat. He does absolutely. You're 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 dead on. He's the guy that the crowd is the most excited to see basically every time he's out there. Next week's episode, January twenty second, nineteen ninety eight, is the Go Home Show to sold out. Will Hollywood Hogan vow to bring the WCW World Heavyweight Championship back to New World Order? Let's find, find out. On welcome to Thunderdome. Bye everybody. What are we doing here?